This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is samurai. Before we get to today's interview with the inimitable Fonda Lee, I asked you all to review the show and promise to read some reviews. Author Kesha Ajose Fisher commented on episode 40, Laura Stanfill is one of my heroes too. This was a wonderful episode. And author Naya R. Hawk said of our episode 43 with Jesse Kwok, this was an awesome interview of such a cool and inspiring author. Another commenter was not as pleased, and the person left some feedback, which is accurate, but not very constructive. He called me an ancient, stupid, bald mayo monkey. All true to varying degrees. I'm not sure what exactly I can do about any of those things, but I am considering making that my new author bio. Thank you to everyone who has left comments, and if you feel so inclined, please give this ancient, stupid, bald mayo monkey a thumbs up or some stars and tell a friend about the show. Your generosity of spirit is greatly appreciated. Hail and well-met readers and reviewers. Today's guest is Fonda Lee. Fonda Lee is the author of the epic fantasy Greenbone Saga, consisting of the novels Jade City, Jade War, and Jade Legacy, along with the prequel novella The Jade Setter of John Loon and a short story collection Jade Shards. She's also the author of the science fiction novels Zero Boxer, Exo, and Crossfire. Her most recent work is the fantasy novella Untethered Sky. Fonda is the winner of the World Fantasy Award, the Locus Award, and a five-time winner of the Aurora Award, Canada's National Science Fiction and Fantasy Award, and also nominated for the Hugo, the <laughs> all these other awards, uh, as well as multiple finalists. Yeah, oh, that's in there. <laughs> Hugo Nebula uh, Oregon Book Award. Her novels have garnered multiple starred reviews and appeared on the best of the year list from NPR, Barnes & Noble, Sci-Fi Wire, and others. Jade City has been translated into a dozen languages, named to Time Magazine's top 100 fantasy books of all time, and optioned for television development. She has also written acclaimed short fiction and been an instructor at writing workshops including Clarion West, Viable Paradise, and Aspen Words. Fonda is a former corporate strategist and black belt martial artist who loves action movies and Eggs Benedict. Uh, born and raised in Canada, she currently resides in the Pacific Northwest, where I live as well. So, Fonda, as, as folks who watch the show know, we always dress up in costumes, but then we have to explain them for folks who are listening on the podcast. So tell everybody what you chose to wear today. Well, Ben, I grew up on a steady diet of 80s cartoons. And we're talking, you know, Thundercats, Dino Riders, the original X-Men animated series, and of course, my personal favorite Ninja Turtles. So I decided that today I would dress up as a Ninja Turtle, my favorite, of course, Raphael. I even brought and and uh and of course listeners can't see this but i even brought my size with me oh my gosh so, so, awesome. <laughs> so I, i'm I in was character. a huge tmnt fan myself that that the the first movie the one with the really kind of awkward you know live action was Absolutely. i was the perfect age I, I, th I think i saw it in theaters like three times where i would be like let's go back and see that again that's the greatest film ever made yeah um, but it didn't have krang in it 
And so I went, you know, I wanted to go. I mean, Donatello was my favorite turtle because he's the nerdy one. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, Krang, I feel like, you know, that this uh, this costume took some work, but I've got the hair for it. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, uh, ladies, my eyes are down here. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I'm impressed by how you managed to carve out a section of your stomach there. That's yes. Yes, exactly. This is yeah, there's some puppetry at work here. But uh, yes, I've got I've got my brain in my stomach, which might be uh, revealing. So <laughs> so I've been so excited to have you on to find out what, I mean, you've got so much going on and this year you're going to get to do some traveling. Where are you going to get to travel? So I have a lot of air miles that are coming my way. I um, actually did some traveling for just family vacation over the holidays. I went to a bucket list location for me, Egypt. And I have there. Been. We should share, compare notes. We, we should. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and I was, um, you know, expecting certain parts of Egypt to blow me away, like the pyramids and the Sphinx, like, of course, you know, you're gonna, you've got to hit those. But I was also just um, not expecting some of the smaller temples mm -hmm. and the locales and just the, just the enormous amount of history um, yeah. there to just overwhelm me. As, did you get to go to Luxor when you were I there? I did, yep. Wasn't that amazing? It was amazing. And we actually managed to get into Luxor um, by a special permission during the night. Yes. So we got to walk around in Luxor when it was all lit up. And yes, I, and very, you know, cats are running between yeah, the yeah. giant columns and it's, it, yeah, it, you it re, you really have been teleported. It's it's a very cool experience, yes. It's, Highly it's recommend, cool. folks. And the people of Egypt would love your tourist dollars, so please yes. go to Egypt. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I had a great time there. I've been traveling a ton for my um, son's sports team as well. He's a, a very competitive volleyball player, so I've been traveling all over the U.S. for that, um, including Salt Lake City, Denver, Chicago, and then, of course, book-related stuff. And my most anticipated trip this year has got to be to Spain. I'm going to the Celsius Festival, which I have heard fantastic things about. It's a big book festival, science fiction, fantasy, uh, mecca convention um, in uh, Spain um, in the summer. So I'll be going Where there. Where in Spain will that be? It's on the north coast of Viles. Okay. Hope My, I'm I've only right. been to Barcelona before, and I would love Same. to spend more time in Spain. But it will be warm in the summer. You're gonna. It's gonna be a, a you know for for a Pacific Northwesterner Canadian. It is gonna right. be. It's gonna be a little toasty. <laughs> but, Bring it uh, on! Beautiful. Bring it on! Get my vitamin D. Uh, yes, exactly. Quote, um, quote and then you get to do a viable paradise, which yes. is in. There's the one place of, of all these I have never been anywhere near. Martha's Vineyard. I have right. heard about Martha's Vineyard, but I've never been before. That's going to be really cool. Yes. Yeah. Martha's. I've been um, to Viable Paradise as a student way back when. And then went again um, as a writer in residence, and I'm going back again this year as an instructor. Oh, so cool. um, it's, I mean, it's that's a, cool for those writers too that you're going to be. Yeah. So you'll be on faculty again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's. So how many people get into that one? I, I believe it's around twenty. I can't remember yeah. the exact numbers. So it's a, but it's a, it's a small enough group that yes. you really get to know their work, one hundred percent, know them as writers, and yeah. that's got to be a really powerful experience for, for you as a student as well, and now as a faculty member. Absolutely, it made a big impact on me when I was um, pre-published. So I went to Viable Paradise the year before my debut novel came out, and it was um, absolutely. Um, confirming for me that this is what I want to do. And oh, I'm surrounded by people who also want to do this. And uh, so to be able to go back and, and to have that experience, but as a more established um, person in the creative fields is, is going to be great. And then the other piece um, that I place I'm going to be traveling to is Phoenix. I'm going to be at Phoenix Comic Con in, uh, I believe it's May. 
better may than august for yes yeah yeah, yeah. For uh, Phoenix, that, that will for be sure. i i i do comic cons you know the, the local ones we've done la we uh you know mm-hmm. but uh that that one will be a lot of fun that's that's that they are they are a kick uh so have you done some comic cons before i have i've done emerald city comic con since yeah. it, you know, it's it's sort of our our regional one and then yeah. i've done a few endeavor um fan expo and i've definitely done a few others that are like yeah. slipping my mind right yeah. at this point. i know i did one in texas know, find yeah. the folks listening find the comic-con in your because it's even if you're not into purchasing comic books themselves which you know yeah. that, that's where you know my family leaves me behind because i'm rifling through the comic books but you know there's so much uh, if you're into cosplay if you're into getting to meet authors and actors and you know producers and directors they're they're wonderful uh places and and yeah i think phoenix will be a kick that'll be yeah cool. our local one um rose city yeah. in portland has um, really improved its writing track as well yes. over the last couple of years and brought in more authors more signings more book related events so for readers there um that was worth checking out for sure yeah highly recommend so um so you know i'm 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 hesitant to get into process but i did want to ask when you do like uh the you know the 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 viable paradise how much of that is good for you as a writer in terms of process and how much of that is learning from folks who've kind of been in the trenches and learned and could say okay your debut is coming out here's what to expect you know yeah that that part of the industry i would say both an almost equal amount of benefit one part is definitely craft related and being able to sort of hear from established writers how to tackle certain problems that you're going to encounter when you're in the writing process. And even just like learning the different ways that different writers approach the writing is often very validating because you realize there is no one right way to write and whatever works for you is, is the right way. But then there is also an element of just learning the industry, learning the business side of things, everything from how to start querying to uh, how to deal with editorial conflicts to um, you know, how do you self-promote your books without um, losing your mind or right. feeling like a shill? You know, all those sorts of elements of the the business side of the creative um, yes. profession is also super valuable. And it's not like you go to school for this stuff. I mean, I, I know no. there are some creative writing um, MFA programs out there that maybe do include some element of the career Um, education, but I would say the vast majority of writers don't have an education in that. And going to workshops, finding resources, talking to other writers is the way that you create your own education path. Yes. And then even then you have to find it out yourself kind of the hard way. Mm -hmm. But yes, having, I mean, I I remember reading an article uh, in which Douglas Copeland described the launch of one of his books as the calm before the calm. (laughs) And I found that so helpful because, (laughs) you know, especially for your debut, you're like, this is going to absolutely change my life. And the next day you're like, that happened. Yep. And I get back to work because my life is not radically different yet. You know, it's yes. a process. So yeah, hearing from other writers, especially writers you admire that, yeah, that's that's the way it works. You, you know, you write your first book and then you write your next book. And it's mm-hmm. you know, it's this, it's a process. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, any, you know, tips, tricks that the folks can offer are so beneficial. And often, I don't know if you've had this experience, you'll learn something three years later and you're like, yeah. Well, I wish I had right, yeah. that, you know. Yeah, yep. Uh, and so much of it is, oh, yeah, I didn't quite 
do that the way I wanted to the first time around. <laughs> so hopefully get an opportunity to learn from, uh, if, not, if not mistakes, you know, uh, regrets or miscalculations or, you know, things that just naturally happen as part of such an unpredictable industry. Did you find that the the your uh, in the series the launches? How were the launch experience? I mean, so folks, if you have not read the Greenbone Saga, it is amazing. It is you know when we say top one hundred fantasy books of all time, I'm like yeah, and by all means go up and and look up the list, and you will go. Why is this book here and not? I I feel like it should be near the top of the. It is oh, an amazing you, series. I love it so much, and and I think that you know, as that series progresses, how did the launches go? Were people kind of catching mm -hmm. on after the first one? Like, yeah. holy crap, this is amazing. And, you know, and so it was feeding and building as it went. It was such an interesting experience because the first book, Jade City, came out to, um, I'd say, a significant amount of critical acclaim, but it wasn't a big commercial splash when it came out by any means. It, it came out, it got some recognition within our field, within other fantasy writers and, and readers. Um, but, uh, you know, it definitely didn't make me think, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, I can, right. th this is the thing that's going to make my career. I'm I'm done. This is, you know, the hype. I, I was like, okay, I got, I've got another two books to write. And I buckled down and was working on those. And then with Jade War, I started to notice some real enthusiasm that was kind of building at almost at like a grassroots level. People started sending me fanfic. They started asking me, you know, a lot of questions about when the, what the next book was going to be and when it was coming out. And, um, you know, I started seeing more people at signings. And, and then by the time Jade Legacy came out, um, it definitely felt like there had been this build over the course yeah. of you know, the roughly six years that it, it took me to write and, and launch the series. And by that time, there was a, a fan base that I could call on. And that was pretty amazing because with the first book, you do feel like you're kind of shouting into the void. I mean, you and your right. editor, you know, and your oh, yeah. and the marketing folks at your publisher, they're like, read this book, read this book. And they're, right. you're, you're just trying to, to push it on people. Yeah. And by the time I got to the third book, it felt like people were were pulling it and wanting me to get it to them. And so yeah. that that helped a lot in terms of just feeling like there were there 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 were readers who were eager to talk about the book so that I didn't have to talk about it quite right. as much. And that's that's an incre a, a very, very sort of satisfying place to be. Um, so, but it absolutely, I mean, it, it was it was a very kind of organic growth thing. And I think it it honestly it came from from people on YouTube who are reviewing and talking about it and, um, you know, reviewers and, and um, fan artists and, you know, Goodreads uh, reviewers. And it just, it was sort of just an amalgamation of sort of a lot of little um, things were piling up to build. So build how do you like do the elevator pitch because I don't I, I you know I've been so excited about the series and all I can like share with people is my enthusiasm because I don't want to diminish it by going well it's kind of Sopranos meets the best kung fu movie you've ever seen plus magic like you know that's a great pitch I mean, <laughs> it's so I wish great. I'd... <laughs> yeah I mean how, how do you describe it to folks is that satisfactory <laughs> elevator it's, pitch? that's as good as any I mean I okay, remember when Jane City came pitch. out I, I had pitched it at different times as um, the Godfather with magic and Kung Fu. Yep. Um, I've also called it my uh, Asian inspired urban fantasy gangster family saga. 
which is a mouthful. I never get those words out in the same order. But yeah, it, it was not an easy book to pitch, honestly, just because there wasn't an obvious, there weren't obvious comps for it. Right. Um, and, you know, people were like, is this epic fantasy? Is it urban fantasy? It's like modern setting, but it's secondary world. And it's got well, like, and it's not guns like and cars, modern, but it has like magic It starts shade. in kind of like a 1950s, yep. yep. early like 60s mid, ask, mid like, but it's not, you know, our world. So it's slightly right. different. But uh, that was one of the things I loved about it is the scope of it. Like, <clears throat> and then, I don't know. Have you ever met Jesse Kwok? Do you know, do you know Jesse? Yes, of course. Yep. Okay, so she was the one who recommended the, the, the series to me. This was only, I only read it like a, a year ago. And she was like, you have to read this, this series. And I devoured them straight through. So even like separating the books one from the other, I'm like, oh yeah, the first one ends when he dies. And then, you know, like, but uh, the, uh, the, cause I, I devoured them in like, you know, days. Like it was just, which, you know, I highly recommend everybody listening to this. You're lucky. They're all out now go out and get them all <laughs> you get to read them straight through but uh, she was telling me that one of the things you did for the uh, I think it was for the launch of the third was uh, for people who pre-ordered you wrote apology letters oh yeah that was actually a um, fundraiser so I believe it was for Locust magazine and they had um, asked me to donate something and they were like, well, you can donate signed books, which is sort of the obvious thing that authors donate, right. or you could like do something creative, whatever you want. So I had gotten enough readers um, who shortly after the release of Jade's Legacy would like send me messages threatening to send me therapy bills in like the best of ways <laughs> that I was like, oh, I, I'll I'll write an apology note for anyone who donates like this threshold for to Locust Magazine. And, um, and people were we're delighted to, uh, to oh, actually receive it, those. And, I, and so I went into the series knowing that, like, which was, you know, it is not oh, a you spoiler are at all to say the deaths in this series are heart-wrenching because you do not pull your punches. Like, there are characters, it's kind of like at the end of the first, uh, 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 oh gosh, what's the, the, the fantasy series, Game of Thrones, the Game first Thrones. Game of Thrones book. Mm -hmm where you're going, there's no way he's going to kill off essentially the protagonist. <laughs> and there were characters you killed off where I was like, no way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, So great. So thank you for that bravery. And also, yes, I, yeah. I, you're I most welcome. First of those where they are just heart-wrenching. Uh, but, but and, and it was because the characters were, it, it wasn't just, oh, this character is the hero and you can't possibly kill the hero. It was, this this character you had provided this kind of like ins insight to this is what all the other characters don't know that makes them so much more sympathetic and then to have them ah oh, it was heart-wrenching brilliantly done i'm getting into process i shouldn't i'm 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 straying from the uh, the point of the show so um what has when you're not you know absolutely crushing people's souls this week what has been pulling you away in terms of <laughs> pop culture oh gosh um so uh, my favorite distraction right now is uh, the New York Times uh, game Connections. So I think I discovered this a few weeks ago. So um, I, I and and for context, um, I got onto the Wordle bandwagon when when Wordle oh, yeah. first became hot, and then um, I got discouraged because uh, my husband consistently beats me in Wordle, mm. and he's an engineer and I'm an author. So in my mind, I should be. I, sh I should be crushing this. I don't, I don't right. understand. So I, um, I got to a point where I realized like, wait, a large vocabulary is not necessarily yes. an advantage in Wordle. It is potentially actually a detriment to you in Wordle. Yeah. And, and um, my husband being an engineer has the, has more of like a logic process of elimination 
type of mind that works well with Wordle. So at some point when he, you know, I I kind of consistently score around a four in Wordle and he's consistently scoring like maybe a 3.3 or something like that. So at some point I rage quit Wordle. And then I came, and then I think my daughter told me, oh, there's this other game you should try, Connections. So I got onto Connections and I, I'm so much better at connections than Wordle. And to the point where I'm like usually beating my husband that like now I, I enjoy connections quite a lot. So now it's become my, my morning ritual is, is playing connections. Yes, my, very similar. Wordle, I thought I'm going to be so great at this. Right, right. Four fives and terrifying sixes, you know? Like, right, right. Because I'm going, oh, here's this word that I could yeah. toss in there. And I'm like, wait, but would the New York Times use this word? And most of the time it's something that, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I totally see that. Our vocabularies actually, you know, infringe on our ability to be successful in that one. Whereas, so my son, similarly, was the one who said, you've got to try out connections. Mm -hmm. And I'm having the same experience you had with your husband where he consistently beats me. And and I'm going, how can you be, you know, he's 20 years old. How can you possibly understand? Yeah, he's, he is good at connections. So we'll see if I rage quit connections, but (laughs) right now I'm, I'm still close enough, but yeah, those are, those are a ton of fun. Uh, yeah. Also, so, the the one frustration I have with connections, though, is it doesn't track in the same way your stuff over time. Right, and, right. you know, I, I, I need that little dopamine of, OK, but generally I'm doing well. Right, right. Connections is like too bad you got it today, but you're out of luck. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so I wonder if there are folks out there who are tracking their own. Uh, Probably. Uh, yeah, Probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that they can go, oh, I'm, I, I need something to brag about, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what about in the news? What's been pulling you away from your work? Well, uh, this week I, I, um, have been following the Oscar nominations and mostly because I've always made it a, uh, a ambition to try and watch all of the best picture nominees, um, which was easier back when it was only five films. Now right. it's 10 and I rarely now manage to get yeah. to all 10 of them before the Oscar. Yeah. What are you at so show. far? I, right now I'm at three, which is pretty pretty bad. Um, I I knew I usually get to like at least six or seven of them, but right now I'm at three. I still got you know I still got a little bit of time. Um, any, but, uh, any any from your three, anything that you think is going to be a, a you know a, a, a dark the, horse, a surprise oh, contender? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've I've watched so the three I've watched are uh, uh, Barbie, um, Killers of the Flower Moon, and and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, I I think Oppenheimer is is the one to beat. I mean, I'd be very yeah. surprised if it doesn't win it. Um, yeah. But I'm the other ones that I have been meaning to watch are American fiction, just because, you know, yes, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome, so, right? I know, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, It feels like a, a, one that I should watch. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And then I, um, many months ago, saw a trailer for uh, Past Lives, and I was like, I, I want to watch that one. And I still haven't managed to watch that one. And there's then, the uh, um the, the the new remake of Frankenstein with yeah uh, um uh core I have things. not seen it yet and I am excited. So the um I know like the I've I've heard good things about poor things. Yeah, but yeah. But so I have, we'll, haven't. We'll see if that, I've one, not seen that one yet. Surprises us. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, I, I am. I am. You know, I understand the the uh, disappointment about Barbie. I mean, it is you know clearly the, the zeitgeist is Barbie, and so I you know, and I wonder if they will feel some guilt. But the mm. are, the votes are are you know, yeah. when they are nominating, they are also casting their vote. They can't respond right, right. to the backlash, right? Right, right. Yeah. I so, so yeah, I I don't. 
I, I think there'll be a it'll be there'll be a big fan movement for right. it, but I I don't see it kind of coming out from behind. Yeah, and I think it speaks to the who the voters are. You know, yeah. not yeah. only is it disproportionately you know old men, but also right. it's cinephiles. Right, so right. Go. This isn't artsy in the same yeah, way. Yeah. This is pop, yeah. you know. But it's yeah. a it's a great movie. It was a lot of fun. And Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, I I think Scorsese has been honored enough times that they're probably yeah. going to be like, yeah, it's not like your best. Movie, yeah yeah it's know? the it's the you know the the phenomenon i'm a big nba fan and they'll you yeah know, like winning mvp three times in a row is nearly impossible because people just right. get tired right right if you're doing well they're like man we want something new now yes <laughs> so uh what about uh what other kinds of uh, like hobby kinds of activities are pulling you away from your work lately hmm, i don't i don't know time for hobbies anymore ben <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how it feels at any rate um but when i do get spare time i i do enjoy board games board games are probably like my my like escape when i have a free evening yeah. um so my husband and i usually often play you know a two-player game um but i i do love like a good meaty strategy board game do you um, have some two-player games that you keep coming back to that are like your mm, yeah 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 so um actually the ones that we go to the most often are like seven wonders duel which is um, a game I usually win. So I, I tend to gravitate towards that one. Yeah. And then um, Undaunted, which I also tend to win. I so I, I enjoy that one. That That's a, um, it's like a World War II themed two player game where one side is you know, playing uh, Germany and the other is playing the US. And you have these different um, uh, scenarios that are like based on, you know, actual real battles in World War II. And you're trying to strategically control ground. So that yeah. was a fun one. And then one that's, you know, dear to my sci-fi writing heart is Race for the Galaxy. Oh, um, I don't know that great, one either. That's a really fun two-player strategy um, card game. Yeah. So those ones. And um, and then Carcassonne, which is also a lot of fun, but my husband always wins it. So I try yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So. Part of the point of the show is I want readers to get to know you, you know, away from the page. And one Rorschach that I've kind of found is uh, to think about role-playing games. So mm -hmm. if you were a Dungeons and Dragons character, what would be your race and class? So I actually have a D&D &D character that I'm playing right now uh, in a campaign with some friends. It's been going on for a good long time. Um, and I play a half-elf half rogue, uh, which is... Um, which is fun because I get to do all the like trickstery, sneaky things right. and all that. And I'm pretty good with like sword wielding and all that. Um, but I, I don't think that like I would be that personally. It's, not, it's definitely not a self insert character because yeah. I don't think I'm like that roguish. I'm not, I think, kind of chaotic and cunning enough for that. Um, so I think. If I had to like choose, you know, a particular race, I'd probably be more like a gnome because they're sort of, you know, inventive busybodies that are, you know, always kind of up to something. And um, so I, I think I could, I think I'd make a pretty decent gnome. And then you'd ask like, oh, okay, what class? Yeah. Um, and so I had, I initially, initially I was like, oh, monk. Because I I'm a martial artist. You're actually a martial artist, so long, right? Yes. And, like, and now yeah, I'm picturing like, the no monk, I, which is pretty I, badass. <laughs> right, right. I, this is pretty badass. And like, would I want to go to like a you know a, a mystical temple somewhere where I train to be a like 
total badass, no monk. Yeah, like I, I 100% would be. However, I like don't have a huge amount of confidence in myself and like maintaining that level of discipline to become like that much of a spiritual like fighter. Um, so, you know, if I if I had to kind of be maybe a little bit more realistic about my personality, like maybe I think like maybe I could be a monk for a while, but then I might turn into a ranger because I think the sort of work for yourself, be independent mindset works well for me, but I don't know, my camping skills are a little bit subpar. So I have, I need to work on some of that. So, so you're the, you're the, the gnome ranger, former monk. Right. And you are ambushed in the woods by three level one goblins. I mean, uh -huh. these are, you know, this is, this is, you know, not, not, not the big battle. How do you react? Well, I think I'd have to, you know, do the thing that you're most advised to do when you're like beset with multiple enemies, which is you got to figure out who the leader is and then take them out or intimidate them and get them to back off. And then the others will back off, too. So um, I'm going to kind of first scan these level one goblins. Is there like an obvious goblin that is more clearly the the ringleader of this little trio? And then I probably, you know, throw something at him, and try and take him down and. And and would you go for throw something at him, or would you go? I do have these these you know these monk skills. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be you know as as a as a gnome. Uh, if you take him out physically hand to hand, that could terrify the other guys. I could see yeah. that being very very effective. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'd have a staff. I definitely have. a Oh staff. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a particular weapon that is your preference as far as in your own martial arts that you, you know? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, within all my own martial arts training, I really love the straight sword um, just because it's so elegant. It's very, it's very much a finesse weapon, but to be any good at it probably requires about like 10 years of dedicated study. So like, I love yeah. the weapon, but I wouldn't say I'm like, that's my, that, that I'm like particularly good at it. Um, but like, I like the single-ended staff. Um, within Kung Fu, that's probably probably my second favorite. Yeah, which, because it's you know, and it's also good foundational training for spear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and uh, and is is spear like the 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 straight sword one where to really master it, you're looking at you know decades. I think it's kind of more in the uh, medium range because it's a military weapon. Right. So it's you know the the straight sword at least in, in Chinese martial arts, was very much like a gentleman's weapon. Yeah. And, you know, the the broadsword was like, you know, cat, like the, the infantryman like weapon. It's this, it's a heavy hacking kind of sword. And then the spear was required, was sort of somewhere in between. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I forget what exactly, there's some saying, but it's something along the lines of, you know, like one month to train with the broadsword, you know, uh, a year to train with the spear, 10 years to train with the straight sword or something, something along that I might be getting the exact like numbers incorrect. But yeah, the spear was, was then sort of a, a weapon that required a great deal of training and, um, and, and ability, but could still be mastered within sort of like a, a shorter amount of time than the straight sword. And I would think a lot of the training would be with the spear because you'd be, you'd be fighting with others, yeah. you know, how do I use this effectively without killing the people around me? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, as opposed to you know, a, a straight sword is it's probably going to be one on one. It's a dueling right. kind of weapon, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that uh, yeah. So I'm now picturing a spear wielding gnome. How long right, is that right. spear? Reading well. 
is that I, is is there is there like pole vaulting that it becomes part of it as yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's I mean, excellent. I'm a former monk like now I'm I you know I also love the nunchaku so I could be like a, a gnome gnome ranger with nunchaku that would be kind of and and again, would they be regular, you know, human elf sized nunchucks right. or nunchuckas, or would they be? Would they be gnome sized? Gnome sized. Yeah. And I don't know what that would do to their, you know, just the physics of the impact. Right, right. And yeah, that they might have to be magical as well. Which you know, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm, I am loving this character. That would be very cool. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go to our our break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask you what you've been daydreaming about lately. Special announcement time. Notapie Publishing has always been committed to helping authors and readers find one another. Well, the show, which is all about helping readers get to know writers, just hit a milestone. 10,000 views on YouTube. So to celebrate, instead of charging authors to advertise their books on the show, I'm going to run your ads for free throughout 2024. If you want to make a 30 to 60 second video about your book, let folks know what it's about and where to find it. And don't forget your name and the title. Uh, I'll run one or two of those in our ad spot each week. Just send an MP4 file to the Notapipe email address in the show notes. Let's fix up some readers and authors into reader relationships. 2024. More readers, more writers, more books. Hello, my name is Fred Gambino. I've worked in the story industry for four decades as a film and game concept artist and a book cover artist. My love of story has led me to write my debut novel, Dark Shepherd, to be published by Newcom Press in May 2024. A fast-paced science fiction action thriller, it opens on the beach where starships are crashed from orbit in order to break them up. Breeders in charge of several giant dismantling machines and her job is to further take apart the shattered ships. Semi-freelance, she is one of many teams who work the beach, making money on the load she collects and sends to central processing. But the beach is a difficult place. Subject to misogyny and racism, she is unjustly fired, setting off a sequence of events that leads to her fleeing across the galaxy in the company of a ragtag group of misfits, pursued by agents of the ruthless and politically powerful Church of Second Light for secrets she didn't know she possessed. Only Brill can locate a mysterious rip, a wormhole that will leave humanity vulnerable to an ancient enemy, and only she stands a chance of closing it. Available for pre-order now at www.newcompress.co.uk. So Fonda, welcome back. What is something that you have been daydreaming about lately? Gosh, um, honestly, I have had my um, mind kind of occupied by caring for my dog. She's 11, almost 11, and recently got quite sick. So mm. um a lot of vet visits, a lot of expensive medical bills, um, and a lot of um, just trying to figure out how to best take care of her. So there's been a lot of time spent researching diet and how to how to sort of support um, a pet who's in decline, sort yeah. of in last stage of life. Um, so that unfortunately, sadly, has has been taken up a lot of my brain space. I completely understand we we lost a, a dog this last year and that you know is w one of the things i'm sure you you've you know been going through is seeing them behave differently and mm -hmm. they can't tell you right you know, if they're in pain they can't explain things and so you're making all these judgments yeah you know, going yeah and, and it's like 
was she really struggling in this way before or am i misremembering yeah. You know, that, yeah. that is that is uh, really, really challenging, uh, you know, to kind of navigate that. Um, yeah. And it does get expensive. Yeah. It is it is tough to or know, know how she's doing because dogs are very good at masking their discomfort and their pain. So, um, you know, there's days when it's like, oh, yeah, she's kind of herself, you know, it's great. And we're on upswing and then days where it's like, oh, no, like this is is not not great so um yeah so that uh, that has unfortunately led me down like a path of reading so much stuff online about uh, you know dog illnesses and stuff does she uh is yours a a a dog gets to sleep on the bed household no she's she's like a medium-sized dog so she doesn't sleep like on the bed with us but she does kind of sleep near us and the evie was a big dog yeah yeah she slept on the bed and when she could no longer get up on the bed, yeah. that was one of those like, oh, do I yeah. lift her? You know, what? how yeah. do we make this work for her? Yeah. Uh, but that was, yeah, that was a real hard step knowing I'm pretty sure she wants to be up here, but it might also be yeah. painful to get her up here. And, you know, yeah. that's, uh, so yeah, we're in the same situation. You and, uh, you know, that, you know, remembering I am still bringing this dog a lot of safety and joy, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, we're in the same situation where she always like jumps up on the sofa next to me, but like she can't get up on the sofa anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not. Yeah, that's that not is uh, that is tough. Um, so, you know, while you are dealing with all of that, which is a lot, uh, what is a career thing that's going on right now that you want readers to know about? Oh, okay, so um, I just handed in a book that I've been working on for a little bit. Um, it's a YA fantasy novel. So it's the first time I've gone back to YA um, in several years. Of, you know, I was writing the Rainbow Saga, but um, I got uh, approached with a project that I couldn't say no to. So um, Shannon Lee, the daughter of Bruce Lee, is actually a big fantasy fan, and, and, and she and she was already an author. She had written some stuff right. before. So how, what a wonderful experience to get to work with her. How did, how did that, how, what was your process with the two of you writing together? It was, um, it was interesting because she had sort of the, um, or the basis of a story that was very much inspired by her father's life and his films and some of the story treatments that he had put together for Hollywood um, back in the day. And she had, um, the from that created sort of a foundation for a fantasy story and then um i came in and she um you know we we talked and uh and sort of did some brainstorming and then i really kind of took the the bulk of the the drafting process and then she would then would send it to her she would weigh in with ideas and thoughts and we'd, we'd get on these calls and sort of talk about the characters and where the story was going and then I'd kind of do more revision and then send it back to her. Um, so it was uh, um, it was a fun process, one that I was never I've never been through before because um, I'm generally a very uh, solitary writer and that I don't mm-hmm. like to share stuff until it's like at least in pretty decent shape. But um, this in this case, it was um, it 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 was it, it was so fun because it's basically like I'm being I'm I'm writing. Bruce Lee fan fiction in a sense right. Right? and like you know he had such a huge enormous impact on me as you know, an Asian American as a martial artist as a storyteller as a trailblazer um that uh that of course I I, I said oh. yes to to working on it so that is a book called um a scroll of heaven 
It's the first book in a duology and the first uh, volume, I just sent it um, off. So it will be coming out, I believe, early 2025. I know publishing timelines are so massive. Yeah, publishing timelines. Like, that, that would be, that would be I'm, if I'm thinking, you know, as a publisher right yeah. now, yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah. So like, yeah. you want to go spring of 2025. That yeah. Would be, yeah. Yeah, that's, oh, I'm so excited about that. And so was your role in this, I'm going to make up a new verb. Was your role to YAFI it? Like, was that kind of, the universe was created and you had to go, okay, how are we going to make this, uh, uh, you know, a YA story within that? To some extent, um, but we really sort of aimed at more of that, um, that crossover, so young adult crossover yeah. into adult space, because there's really going to be kind of two audiences for this book. The first is obviously just fans of Bruce Lee, who, right. you know, are adults like like me, who are like, yeah, I want to read a book with like awesome, like martial arts tournament right. fight scenes and like Bruce Lee style, you know, storyline. And so there's going to be sort of the adult readers who already know Bruce Lee. Um, but then there's um, and this was very important to Shannon was um, bringing new readers, like, right. like teenagers, ki kids like my kids' ages. My, I have two teenagers who aren't that familiar with Bruce right. Lee. Like they know who he is, but they didn't grow up like watching his movies right. and they don't have as much familiarity. So um, that's really, you know, the reason why we aimed for this YA with a crossover appeal space was to bring in that new generation of, of and did readers. you find yourself kind of plumbing some of i mean i'm sure shannon brought this herself as well but some of uh bruce lee's kind of philosophy i mean yeah, the man absolutely. was brilliant like right. it was just so you know and so are you I, I i do wonder if our our readers now who are you know 15 16 17 right are going to appreciate his philosophy because the martial arts, if you see it on video to them, they're going to go, that's computer animated. No human could do that. And so it's, it's not amazing. It's the matrix. Like, and you know, <laughs> they won't understand. No, this was a human being doing these things, but his philosophy itself stands the test of time. Like, yeah. and, and so I think, you know, was that something you tried to incorporate into that universe? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was very much why Shannon wanted to do this project was to do something that her her father really did which was to bring entertainment but beneath it there's like a deeper core oh, you know, yeah. of philosophy i mean he he was he he was a, a student of philosophy yeah. that was his the, what he studied in university he was um very much um you know interested in the human condition and what we tried to do with the novel was to make it sort of a fast-paced, action-y, um, you know, f read that would be propulsive, but to really sneak in mm -hmm. a lot of the Bruce Lee philosophy into the st storyline and the ideas that are under that are yeah. in the story very much come from that. Yeah, I've seen interviews with him where I'm, I am. I was a philosophy major in college. I, 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 you know, and I would listen to him speak and think, if this were written, I would presume this was crafted over, you know, a year. And he said it off the top of his head. <laughs> I was just, he spoke like a philosopher writes, but, but, uh -huh. you know, that, you know, contemporaneously it was, it's, yeah, so I can I can I think that's a really valuable thing to share with this next generation. So I'm I'm very excited about that. That will be uh, great. And and you know I I teach young people. I will be one of the people saying you should check this out. <laughs> that sounds great.
Um, so I always ask uh, writers, what is some question, you know, I'm not consistent about actually putting out the, the poll, but if I were to remember to, uh, what would be your question for, for a, a poll for our readers? Okay, so this is a contentious topic within my own household. So this is why it's the poll, which is anime dubbed or subbed. Yes, that one is. And, and where do you fall on that one? So I I fall on the sub. So I prefer subbed because um, to me, I have no problem reading and hearing. I mean, reading it with right. the same um, fluidity as I would listen to something. Yeah. So um, I think that generally subbed preserves the um, the feel of the anime better. Um, and it's the same like when I watch foreign films, I want yeah. to hear it in its original language and I'll read the subtitles. That said, um, there's, you know, there's differing opinions within even my, my own household, like I said, because we just got through watching season two of Jujutsu Kaisen and we watched that um, dubbed because my son prefers it dubbed like for him he's much more of an auditory mm -hmm. um person and so it uh it it's easier he prefers the um the seamlessness of yeah. of of having it just dubbed so i know this is a this is and and, and it varies um anime oh, yeah. to anime because there's some that are like subbed i mean dubbed extremely well right there you know like cowboy bebop for example i think is like dubbed extremely well um right. but um but then there's others that like do kind of like their 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 dubbing is a little bit more more well I, I, so we have run this idea by your son and see what he thinks i think it has to do to some extent not with necessarily the genre overall but mm -hmm. even within the scene my bias is if it is uh if it is comedy I want it to be uh, subbed because mm. nobody ever quite dubs the timing just right the way an actor right. can speak it. And so sure. sometimes the punchline will be revealed too soon or too late. Right. That, right. Is, that, you know, I'm like, oh, you ruined the joke because I read it first, you know, and so the, I, my comedies, I want to actually hear it. But, you know, yeah, the, the rest of the time I want to have the feeling, especially like in an action scene. I don't, I don't, I don't want somebody else to try and who was not in, engaged in the action, right? Uh, you know, in, in the same way to be trying to inform me. That, that's another layer of of, of interpretation, uh, and I want that original actor's you know voice because it carries so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So action, that kind of thing, no way. I, 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 I you know, I don't, I don't want it. Uh, so, uh, that that can be subbed. I want to hear the original language, but. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's a for me. It's is it supposed to be funny? Then don't ruin the joke. <laughs> um. So, what is in your to read pile now? What What are you looking forward to? Oh, so um, actually, I have been meaning. I'm going to give you two answers. I've been meaning to read the rest of the Dune series because I read um, Dune the first two books in the Dune series, and the movie part two of the movie is coming out right around my birthday. So I have plans to, that's going to be my big, my, my birthday celebration is go see Dune 2 in IMAX. And oh, yeah. I figure that I should get around to reading the rest of the Dune series. So that's that's one. And then um, a while back, I started reading Shogun. Um, and the reason I did that was uh, because I was on a like, anything, any any samurai story kick. Um, I'm, I'm working on a project right now that I've, uh, that is that's highly influenced by um, the Chambara like genre and like the works of Kurosawa and um, so I um, 
I started reading Shogun and I got halfway through, but then I ran out of time on the library. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> Hold, that, which, which, which tells happens. you something, tells the reader something. It's a tome. It, it is, it is a tome. It's a, it's a chonker and I write chonkers, but this is a, this is really a chonker. Well, and so are the Dune books. You've got yeah, a lot. Of, uh, I do. I have some big, uh, hence, hence why I think they're on my to read pile because yeah. they've been too big for me to get to until, you know, I, I, I've been waiting for myself to have time and that seems to not happen with consistency yes well, but um but yeah i've been meaning to get to to finishing shogun because i'm about two-thirds of the way through and had to return to library but i'm gonna get back and um, i got motivated because i saw that there was a trailer for the new shogun tv series which oh, is, i didn't know yeah. that they've got a new one coming out yeah coming out in february and, and where is it uh where's think, that is that at a, you know it's on, that made? i think it's on hulu I'm like okay. when was the last time I watched anything on Hulu? Like, yeah, I'll have to check that out. So, yeah, that 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 would be right up my alley as well. But the the Dune books, when you finish them, I would love to hear what you think, especially okay. of the fourth and fifth, because mm -hmm. I hear they get weird. Them. I think there's real merit, but they do get yeah. very weird. I've heard so, that. The, the 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 spans of time he's dealing with are so large right, right, that right. It is you know. I think people struggle to go, oh, does this relate? It really does. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff's yeah. really illustrative, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what is it? The fourth is Doom Messiah, I believe. Is that right? No. Children. Is it Doom Messiah is the third? It's, and it is, it spans like 5,000 years in a book. Right. <laughs> it's an immense amount of time. So, right. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I love that series, but like I would read it in college and go, this is my summer. Like mm -hmm. they are big books. Uh, but yes, you. I think you will enjoy them, and I would love to hear what you think, especially of the fifth, because uh, right, yeah, they're, 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 it, that one's that, there could be a poll question about that one someday. That oh. one's uh, highly debatable. Um, so I've added this new uh, question in uh, to the last few shows because I'm recognizing that part of the way that our algorithmic kind of outrage machine works is if people say the most outrageous, just you know, in many cases, horrific thing, they get the most attention. And then I see these people saying these things and I second guess myself and I'm like, do they actually possibly believe that? Or is it just a way to get a lot of attention is to say the, the most appalling off the wall thing. So to to either combat that or maybe lean into it, I'm not sure which, uh, what is your hot take that is your most outrageous opinion that's just gonna get you know have so many people so angry that they're like i guess i have to read the Greenbone saga now because i'm so incensed <laughs> i feel like this has already happened to me on several occasions i remember uh, you know at one point i think i i uh said that like tiktok uh made me feel like i was crumbling into dust or something like that and then people got really mad because oh, yeah. i was totally dead like totally dunking on tiktok when yeah, you can't possibly really, have your I own just, opinion about it i just feel old <laughs> that's right, all right <laughs> that's that's all there was to it yeah. um so yeah i mean i i feel like anything can be a hot take these days like i could say you know i i don't like bagels and someone be like what oh yeah attacked me personally right, right right um but i think actually probably something that it would be controversial that would get some people up in arms is i i don't haven't really any issue with like Zack Snyder and his movies like he gets so much hate an extraordinary amount of hate I'm like yeah but like I think his movies are fine honestly like they're not well, always have you seen things, Rebel Moon but... yet 
I haven't, and it's on my my to watch. Okay, so the, I, Rebel Moon, I think, is one of the reasons he's getting so much hate, and I think mm -hmm. part of the problem is, you know, I was thinking about you and Zack Snyder. So I think what Zack Snyder misses is a great story. Like mm -hmm. he's often going, okay, he's got this really great style. Right. I think he would be great for the Green Bone Saga because bullet time would actually be helpful. One of the things that you capture really well is fights don't in real life don't go on for 20 minutes. Right. You know, and so that, you know, he's criticized for overusing bullet time. Yeah. But I think because he recognizes a real fight in real life would happen so fast that right. it wouldn't be particularly cinematic, but we can stretch it out and have a realistic fight, but it can yep. make it dramatic. And I'm like, yep. that would actually, a lot of bullet time would really work in the Greenbone Saga, especially where these people are jade augmented. And so they're moving so fast. I think, you know, he would do a great job with that. So you should call him up and say, I've got the okay. story for you. <laughs> Well, if you've got his number, you know, I, let me, I let me know, Ben. Just, just I will reach go, out to this him. Is what, hey, don't make Rebel Moon, which is just, <laughs> I think when you see it, you'll go, this is, you know, he's he's taking from 10,000 things and nothing is particularly yeah, yeah. original. It's just, here's my style on top of all these things you've seen before. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but it would be so much cooler if he had a genuinely original story to work with. So we'll, we'll get him the Green Bone Saga. We'll say, hey, you've got to be the person to make this. You You would do a great job with this but honor the actual text, then the challenge would be, because I think he could do the thing, you know, the thing that would be really challenging for a director is to not pull their punches and compromise any of the story. Like, you know, this character has to actually die. And well, that's going to be really hard for Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think one of the reasons why he gets so much hate is because he doesn't care what the audience wants. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's like, yeah, he gets criticized for style over substance, but like, he, um, you know, he did things with the DC EU characters that just made fans mad. Like his yeah. his take on Batman and his take on Superman. People are like, it's too bleak. These aren't the characters. I I think he's like butchering the portrayal of Batman. Right. Blah blah blah. But it's his take. Like it's an adaptation. Yeah. He's a he's a filmmaker. He's a creative. He can take these characters and so he he doesn't he doesn't really care to like cater to the you know the fans who think that Batman is a certain which I love, okay. and yet now I'm like, as a as a fanboy of the Greenbone Saga, I'm like, uh, maybe I don't. Right, want right, it. yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can see why certain people would that, but I also think that it's like, it's, it's, he, he gets a, a disproportionate amount. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, excellent, excellent. Okay, so yeah, but maybe that one is one that I'll toss up there and, you know, just go, okay, everybody, Fonda Lee said this. Now you can direct all of your eyes. Oh, no, 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 don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can listeners find you when you are, uh, you know, you're on the socials and stuff? Well, I am um, online, my website at fondalee.com. I have an author newsletter that I try to send out not too often, but, you know, a few times a year. And uh, on Instagram at Fonda.ly, I'm still on that Cursed Bird app, Twitter X, Twitter X, um, at Fonda J. Lee. Yeah. So, but if you're on Instagram, have you gotten into the threads thing yet? I have not. I'm resisting that with yeah. all of my... It's, it, you know, as, as a publisher, I have to be on all yeah. of them everywhere yeah. all the time yeah. and it's exhausting but yes. uh threads does not have some of the problems of x so that is or 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 twitter i just called it x oh i feel so like i, oh, I was oh. fighting that so much i did not want 
who has a successful brand and says, let's replace it with a variable? Seriously. I just can't, I, yeah, boggles my mind. Um, so, uh, so another question I've got for you, who else should I get on this show? Hmm. So I think um, you should reach out to Django Wexler. And the reason I say that is because he's not only another fantastic Pacific Northwest author, but I just read an arc of his new book. So um, Django is, a, a he's, he's written, um, uh, uh, several series, um, fantasy epics. Um, he's probably best well known for um, his Flintlock fantasy series, but he has this new book called How to Become the Dark Lord and Die Trying. That's a big departure from his other works because it's comedy and comedy is like hard to get right uh, in, uh. in in prose. Yeah, uh, it's it's very tricky, uh, but I really enjoyed what he did with that. So um, I think it comes out I can't remember exactly when it comes out, but get them on at some point. Yeah, around that when, sounds around great. When that yeah, I out. really admire. I, you know, I'll, I'll if I have a good joke, I'm like that. There was a good, there was a good bit in there once, right? But a consistent comedy novel, yeah, that, and yeah. like a novel too. Like I, I mean, usually when you think comedy, you're like, okay, a stand up, you know, or right. like a, a bit or a skit or like maybe a half an hour sitcom. So may, being able to maintain like a comedic yeah. tone for 400 pages is. It's not not something oh, yeah. I'm going to try personally, but yeah, it's, but it's, have it's at it. But the writers who do it it well, I mean, yeah. Christopher, I love Christopher Moore's work. Yeah, you know, and he can. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be able to pack it with enough jokes. It's a lot, you know, and just yeah, yeah that's I, I deeply admire. Yeah, so absolutely. So Django Wexler, I will uh, reach out. That'd be wonderful. Um, so before we get to our send off, there's some folks I have to thank. Uh, thanks to our, the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song, I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. And thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. And if you're in a band and you'd like your song used on the show, I'd love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song. So email me about that. Thanks, as always, to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. Uh, and I cannot forget to mention, Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pie Publishing, so please go to notapiepublishing.com and check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. Please check out Fonda's The Greenbone Saga. Read them all, like, straight through. You will thank me. They are so great. Um, and uh, and then uh, the scroll of uh, the scroll of what is it the 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 new one that'll be next year? Scroll of heaven. Scroll That's of heaven. next year. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that as well. Scroll of heaven next year. Um, and when you read them, rate and review. Even a very short review, single click on that fifth star makes a huge difference to authors. So if you have three minutes, make Fonda's day. Write that nice review. Um, and for this show as well, smash that like button is this thing that young people say, and it sounds very weird when I say it. But if you could gently tap on the like button for the show an odd number of times, I would appreciate that. Fonda, what is your advice for folks for going into this next week? Hmm. Um, well, I have actually, for you know, multiple reasons that I've already mentioned, been having a hard time carving out writing time. So I just want listeners to know, you know, it's it's okay to take breaks sometimes. And the creative process has uh, ups and downs. It's definitely not a straight path. So even when you are not writing, maintain some sort of creative routine, whether that's reading a good book or watching a show you've been meaning to watch or brainstorming or journaling. Just keep up your creative routine, even at those times when you need a break from writing. Yeah, absolutely agree. And don't beat yourself up too much. There is nothing wrong with 
needing to find some space. And no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you. If I take my time.